You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? Welcome to Chasers, the latest iteration of Golden Points. This fortnightly segment will feature me, this lady speaking Greek, uh, and I'm your host, Big T, who today will be slightly out of breath as we spend time here on Gadigal land. I, of course, acknowledge the elders, both past, present of the Eora Nation, and extend that heartfelt respect to any Indigenous Australians listening today, striding out with us, walking us to and from some of the key issues of World Rugby League is Michael Carboni. Carbs is the Bay Run Tour Guide of International Football <laughs> News. Like the legend or a key on the side of an inner west Bay, uh, Bay Run map, he expertly explains all the different parts of today's rugby league track, encouraging us when our sojourn through the seven-kilometre loop of wide-ranging global rugby league news. There is no one metaphorically fitter or healthier to lead us along the Sydney foreshore of growing rugby league affairs. G'day to our returning chasers. It's great to have you back amongst us, pushing your prams of support along with us on this path. There are hundreds of you. You know who you are, and we thank you for your feedback and support. And to our rookie ruse, new to this route, welcome. Uh, we have never and probably won't ever be doing an episode where we walk along the Bay Rung together. Uh, Sydney is in lockdown, so we are getting lawfully creative. And what is normally uh, us doing episodes... Like this, we, we do, this isn't normal, but what we do do that is normal is we talk about episodes you should listen to in the past, so do hold your pencil and parchment as uh, we get to some old ones. Now, finally, walking patiently and <laughs> steering me as I read the script <laughs> along the Bay Run is chasing Rang- the, the master of chasing kangaroos media, Michael Carboni. Carbonis, how are you, sir? Mate, I am fantastic. Great to be outside with you, Bay Run. All of the inner west is here. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of noise. We apologise for that. Mercho, we apologise, mate, while you're mixing and producing this one. But Big T, as always, great, uh, great intro. I haven't been referred to as fit and healthy for a long, long time. <laughs> so thank you very much. No, because metaphorically, I did say, I think. Uh, <laughs> and, and you'll also hear us, just to make this recording even worse, slurping coffees and banana smoothies. Um, because you've paid one back. Technically, I think this was a payback from one of our coffee bets. Look, I'm pretty I sure. I can't remember yeah. who won. Who I, think, uh, I think we've lost track of who won, have won what. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've paid you back. I don't know what we're up to. Maybe we need to look back through the archives to find out what the score is. But drinking a lovely coffee from La Montage. Uh, not quite a Minus Coffee. I was going to say. Uh, MinusCoffee.com.au. That's what you want. You know, if you, if you have a bean machine or I think they have ground coffee as well check them out they are an official sponsor of chasers and also an official sponsor of brazilian rugby league so that's why we love them uh needless to say the coffee's amazing as well and i've been having that every day big t during lockdown yeah and unfortunately this was the week i was going to send them send some over to my mom as i dropped off littlest um to go and spend some time obviously couldn't do that so i'm still hanging out for a victory coffee um of that sorts the smoothie's not bad but i do i really wish i was drinking a minute right now Beautiful weather for a walk 
uh, along the foreshore. I, I just wish people could see us as well because <laughs> the bay run, like there's a lot of fit people. There are bikes going past, people jogging past, and we're just casually walking along. Couldn't be slower. Yeah, like, You'll hear a whole bunch of people talking because they're overtaking us, like, probably grumbly <laughs> complaining about us. If, if we're on the road, they'd be beeping us. But yeah. anyway, it is, <laughs> it is what it is. And uh, look, it's going to be a lot of fun. I will say it's probably the last one we're going to have for, normally we do this fortnightly, but um, we're going to we're at Mercho having some technical uh, updates. Yep. So he's probably going to be away for three or so weeks. But don't worry because we've got uh, three great episodes of Chasing Kangaroos in the bank as well. Um, essentially, that's probably why we did this. This is going to be the most hated episode of him to ever produce. Yes. So to thank Sucking him Mercho. for all of his work because <laughs> he's going to have some time off for making this one really hard. How beautiful is that pelican, by the way? How good is it? Is it a pe- Oh, that's a great pelican. Yeah, I've, I've, I really like pelicans. And in fact, I think pelicans should be more... There's a rugby league mascot that's not used enough internationally. I'm glad you said that because um, my Oztag team used to be called the Pelicans. Shut up! I swear, to, swear to you, yeah, the Pelicans. And we... Successful? Very successful in second division, uh, not so successful in first division. That's my least favourite thing about divisions. I was also in an Oztag team. We were killing it and they kept pushing us up divisions until we started losing. Now, how's that a way to work out if that's your, where you're supposed to be? Shouldn't we just be in one that we won but not by heaps? Yeah. Why do I have to be? The, why do I have to make up the numbers of a losing comp? That's why you find a lot of people in Oztag, and we're probably going way off topic here, yeah. but a lot of people that play Oztag in touch, when they have those first few rounds oh, uh, of trials, people sort of tank a few games. Oh, someone should have told early me. Days. Yeah, tank, tank those early games, get into a lower division, and then just have some fun. But I remember a game, one of the most recent games we played, um, we got absolutely smashed because one of the... I don't know if he was allowed to play, but we ended up playing against Appy Coruscant. Oh, what? Yeah, so, and he, he tore us apart and probably probably shouldn't be saying it out loud because uh, his contract might get torn apart if, he's been, if people know he's been playing Oztag, playing Oztag yeah. in the off-season. But, yeah. no, nah, that was a long time ago. Appy Coruscant is fine. It's going <laughs> to be good to see him lining up for the Blues, mate, as well yeah. this weekend. Let's not talk about that because it's not what we do. Of course. And listen to another uh, rugby league podcast if you're into that. Well, Let's should, should we do a tip before? Or should we do our tips just to maybe so, state of origin? Yeah. What do you reckon? Just a quick tip before we get into our big big topics. Well, I mean, I said game one and game two, sixty nil. I feel less excited about that now that Nathan Cleary's done it. So I'll say forty nil. Forty nil. Thirty five nil. Yeah. Thirty five. I, re- I want a disrespectful field goal. I reckon. Um, you know what? I reckon Queensland might win. Oh, what? Because, because, and look, maybe not. Look, Blues will probably win. They're most likely to win. But if I was a betting man, I'd probably chuck a few dollars at Queensland because a lot of disruption to the New South Wales team, obviously, plenty of changes. And just seeing Ponga back, Munster there, I just think if you're going to have a sneaky few dollars on Queensland, you might get a good return. You want to lose another uh, coffee bet? Because I'm happy to do that on this. <laughs> I'll even give let's, you a 12-point let, start. Let's leave it for now because I'm not confident of it. But if I had... If I had you know, if I had a hundred bucks that I wanted to lose and risk, I'd probably do. I'd probably do it. I'd probably do it. <laughs> now, speaking of better competitions, our, your Pelican Oztag one wasn't a great competition, but the uh, another competition coming up is the Rugby World Cup, Rugby League World Cup. Now, yeah. this one you and I have obviously been so excited about. With one of our first ever episodes together, I think we talked about our predictions of how we thought it was going to go. Now, yeah. I want your prediction on how you think it's even going to start. Can it start this year? What, what, what's the what's the vibe you're getting? What have you read? Well, look, the biggest thing, the biggest thing has been that the committee, the World Cup committee came out last week with their statement and we're all expecting an answer as to whether or not it was going ahead or being postponed. 
Uh, there was a lot of noise around it being postponed, mainly coming out of our side of the world, down in Oz. <laughs> it's really funny. Everyone I speak to in the UK or in Europe are confident that things will go ahead. Everyone I speak to in Australia, New Zealand, P&G, uh, confident that it won't. Wow. So it's very funny. You know, it depends on what side of the world you're from. But basically, as it stands, the World Cup committee uh, are standing strong. They're saying this is going to happen. We're going to make it happen either way and do our best to make it happen. But um, it's a little bit quiet coming from the NRL side of things. And what, as I see it at the moment, we could be going ahead without an Australia and New Zealand potentially. But I'm not sure. There's probably a few different ways it can go down, Big T. What were the three things that they said before? They had an A, a B and a C. Was A like normal, B reduced crowd, C no crowds? That was an episode, yeah, with John Dutton, which I think... Um, I do know it. I've actually written it here. There, you spoke to episode 83, Power of Together. Where they, that's we right. That was him. the one with John. That's right. CEO of the World Cup. And he sort of said, look, plan A would be World Cup happens with full crowds. Plan B would be World Cup happens with minimal crowds. A plan C would be postponed, and that would be the least likely plan. Yeah, that's right. But all the pressure's coming from 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 our way. So, you know, and you got to, and it's understandable as well from a players' association perspective, from an NRL perspective. Players have been in all sorts of bubbles, and yeah, and um, for them, to, for some of the players to have to qu- uh, quarantine two weeks before and after the event, um, it just makes it just extends things, which is you know you can kind of understand that. But the funny thing is, man, like. It, 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 nation by nation, there's, there's differences. So we've heard that the Tongan boys are very keen to play no matter what. And these are the NRL-based Tongan boys. Right. I also had, uh, had an interview with one of the guys from Scottish Rugby League, which will be released in the next few weeks, uh, where he said that every, every Scottish Heritage NRL player is keen to play for Scotland wow. at the World Cup this year. But just as you go higher up the, the scale, you know, the Australias and New Zealands, that's sort of where... It seems to be a bit shaky. So look, we're still waiting to hear, you know, if there's any, if anything will change. As it stands, there will be a World Cup. Um, I just, I don't know. Can you imagine to a World Cup without, say, Australia and New Zealand, for example? Well, first of all, I feel New Zealand Warriors, which is a lot of the New Zealand team, yeah, yeah. have already put in such a huge sacrifice to the NRL. And, I, and it would be really hard for me to say, can you please keep doing it for another off-season? Yeah, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I kind of feel like that the World Cup's more important, so we really should have given them time off the NRL, which was never going to happen. But the um, Can I see it going ahead? Yeah. In fact, I'd still think it's reasonably legitimate. There'd be a big asterisk on it, but if Australia can't get there because the NRL just seems to have a constant shittiness towards international football, then that's just what happened that time. There's a few things there, right? So could you have an Australian or a New Zealand team with UK-based players? No, potentially, no, no. Potentially you could, but it just wouldn't be... It's a, there's it's no a, point. It's a B team, right? Yeah. But is that worse than not having them at all? Yeah. Um, I think I think it... not me, ha- it is. Well, poss- yeah, possibly, because you've got that asterisk again, right? I think if you don't have them at all, it's still an interesting competition. It opens things right up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it'll just be interesting to see who's there at the end um, without the big dogs. There will be an asterisk. But one thing, look, if, if it does go ahead and Australia and New Zealand do pull out, I want to see Australia and New Zealand having to qualify for the next World Cup. Oh, yes. Because, well, they shouldn't get in automatically I agree. if they pull out. And what it will do is force the kangaroos to play some fucking games. <laughs> so, so, 
you know, it could it's be... It's the effing that I'm yeah. loving in there. You did not just play some games. <laughs> I, I had to do that. Yeah. I had to do no, that. No, you did. Yeah, I just think that would be... Look, would it be... Probably would be better for that whole 2025 campaign at the end. But, man, still, like I said, I, I haven't got the answer. Um, and that's mainly because I don't think there is one at the moment. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with everything you said. The only thing I want to point out about not putting in a B team or like an Exiles team is that if they beat anyone... Yeah, it would really make a mockery of the World Cup more than we have before. And also, I don't want, like, heaven forbid, they win the thing. You know, that would also just be terrible well, for it's the whole not, thing. This isn't new ground though for us because you and I spoke, of course, on Rugby League Digest late last year about the 1995 World Cup, and that was that was essentially Australia's B team. You know, there was no Super League players involved, and Australia still won in the end. Um, and, you know, that was the cup that unearthed, you know, that really put Andrew Johns and co on the map. So, right. um, good convo. Um, if anyone wants to listen to it, I think we've got that as well, mate, if they got the... Well, I've written up. it down here, but it's, I've only found it on Rugby League Digest one. I didn't write down the episode thing, but the, uh, that was a great conversation with them. They're, they're doing such great jobs with their chats as well. <coughs> well, again, yeah. we don't look back at 95 with an asterisk, do we? No, so, that's true. So, you know, it's, it's not uncharted territory, I suppose. Now, if you wanted to hear us talk more about that, there is episode 60 uh, where I spoke to Andrew Ferguson about the 1954 World Cup. And then there's also the one that you did with Luke Lacoste, episode 108. Um, in fact, really, because we're such big rugby league World Cup fans, it's sprinkled through so many of our episodes, but there's some key ones. Now, some positive news about international football. El Salvador yeah, baby. just got recognised. So <laughs> what does this mean for them? Yeah, so El Salvador, they've got local government recognition. Uh, it means they're applying or can now apply. They're about to get rubber stamped for observer status um, with the International Rugby League. Uh, I think it'll make them the first Central American nation um, who, with International Rugby League membership, which is fantastic. But what the local government recognition does is it allows them to be able to apply some, for some local grants and allows them to get into some schools and universities as well. And when I say them, I've got to say us, because um, you know, what I don't talk about too much is that I am uh, very fun. It's, I am a part of the Australian-based steering committee that helps the guys over there. <laughs> so um, I've been, I've had a very, my ear very close to this. I've been, watch, I've been watching all the, all the WhatsApp groups and been a part of all the meetings. And uh, there's been a lot of work in the background, man. But um, yeah, it's good to see. And uh, there's a lot more to come out of it as well soon. What does it mean for the other countries you think in that region, in that central part? Well, I, saw, I guess it lays that platform. There are other nations in Central America. You've got your Nicaragua, Honduras. Mexico's been around for a while. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of action happening in those nations. And, and they've now got, I guess, I guess El Salvador. The, the reason, it's interesting, right? So Nicaragua, for example, they've got a local competition. They've got four teams and they've been doing that for the last 12 months or so and things right. are building nicely locally, domestically. Whereas Salvador, there hasn't been much action. So what's happening over there, there's a guy named Hugo, um, Hugo Gomez, who, or Hugo Froze, sorry, who has been running um, training camps at universities and there's a number of university students that are on board now as well. We're, we're building up the numbers to have a four-team competition uh, in Santa Ana, which is the second biggest city in El Salvador, huh. and also invite two other domestic uh, clubs from, I believe, Honduras. So there could be a six-team competition there eventually. But where we've grown from in El Salvador is the strength in heritage from the Australian side of things. So 
El Salvador has been primarily Australian heritage based players since 2015. They've been very successful at Latino Nines competitions and against other Latino nations as well. We beat Peru 18 nil early, uh, early last year as well. So there's been plenty of positive action happening in Australia. So the idea now is we've drummed up that support on the ground. We've got that government recognition and I guess what we we now need to divert a lot of the interest and action domestically rather than heritage wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and to answer your question, I guess it's a good it's maybe a good pathway for some of those other nations to follow um, because the next step for us or for El Salvador is to um, obviously get that international rugby league recognition and then be able to try and qualify uh, for a World Cup via that America's. Um, America's route, yeah. America's championship. So exciting times, plenty happening, and um, it's great to be a part of it. Do many of those countries reach out to you and all the board or things like that to try and find out how you guys did it and see what they what they can replicate? Because so there's a lot of um, a lot of cross pollination with a lot of the South yeah. American and Central American. So there's a one of the guys who listen to this show regularly, Chris Reed. So shout out to Chris. He's involved in. He's got his finger in a few of those those pies: Nicaragua, Honduras and El Salvador. So there's a lot of cross-pollination, a lot of cooperation. Yep. And of course, there's also a lot of cooperation with a lot of the South American teams, Latino Heat, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there's plenty, there's, they, they all, they've all come together quite well. And, uh, and there's a reason why that entire region is growing together very strongly. Yeah, I'm glad, so glad to hear. And also just because it's so great to see people trying all over the world to try and make something work in, in another country. So not just their country trying to make something happen there but people all over the world trying to support each other to make something happen wherever they are it's a, such a global community yeah exactly um, and also love that so much of what you just rattled off there is just off the top of your head ah, like all thanks, of those man. things about 2015 and all these people well this is i can I, barely get through the west tigers lineup and remember their names this and you is what i do mate normally we're talking and i'm you know i'm in my mobile studio and you're in yours so you don't see that this is just how i do things mate it's yeah. very professional so. and you're saying to see that i have to have everything scripted or else i completely forget everything i didn't point out to you that jazz Devanga, and i should on the way back my mobile studio uh jazz Devanga, does hang from the from the rearview mirror oh wow. show when we walk i've got to check that out that's awesome look but there's no right way to do it baby we're both very professional we both get it done and uh so professional. hopefully the listeners love it either way and then the last thing I want to put to you is NAIDOC Week. It started this week, uh, time of recording, uh, in Australia. Yeah, cool. Here in Australia, NAIDOC Week stands for National Aborigines and in Islander Day Observance Committee. So NAIDOC Week celebrations are held across Australia each July to celebrate the history, culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Uh, but it's not just about that. It's also a way for Australians writ large to talk about, educate and celebrate that kind of thing. So this week's a great opportunity to participate in a range of activities and to support your local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. Now, one way I'd love to celebrate and educate this NADOC week is to talk about country. <clears throat> country is inherent to identity, particularly Indigenous in, uh, identity. It sustains lives in every respect, be it spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially and culturally. Sustain, oh, sorry, it, it is more than a place, in fact, when we talk about country, it's spoken as if it's a person. So knowing all of that seems the least we can do as a broader Australian norm would be to name the country we are wrong on to kind of show that respect. Um, and so one, one way, in fact, that's been done is by 
It's been driven by Rachel McPhail. Um, and she did this with the Australian Post where she's trying to get the Australian Post to use the traditional place names on mailing addresses. I'm not yeah. sure if you've seen this. Yeah, I have seen that. That's Such really a cool. simple and effective way of showing respect and value to country by doing that. Now, this recognition was also seen in Cubs during the NRL Indigenous round when they added the traditional place names to the draw as part of the game details. Yep. That was cool. Outlining when and where. In fact, it was during we played you. Uh, the Tigers, West Tigers played the Dragons. And so they said the West Tigers were Darawal and Yora, and the Dragons were, ooh, I'm going to mess this up, Darawal and Urin, Urin? And that was played at Banquet Stadium, home of the Baramatagal people. So I, something as small like that has very little impact on, like, the, the outlook or anything that you can see there, the, the formatting, but it just recognises and celebrates and respects those peoples and places. Now, my question to you, Cubs, can this be normalised in modern Australia, and should the NRL be a leader in that space? Well, I think it definitely can. And first, let me just say, it may have sounded like you read all of that, but that was all off the top of your head, so fantastic work, <laughs> Big T. But um, I also saw it on, I think, Channel 10 News when they did the weather. They yes. had all, so that was incredible as well. To normalise it, it just needs to be, like it can be done. It just needs to happen all the time without thinking about it. So I think Australia Post, are they doing that? Is that just part of what they do now or is it for yep. this week only? No, no, no. Yeah, so that's a good that's a good action, I think. The fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that are doing it for this week only, which is fine, tip of the hat, and that's fantastic. There's some definite, like it's the week for recognition, but you, we need to see it happen more often. I think the NRL is definitely a leader in the space. Um, so many of our stars are Indigenous and, and have been, you know, for, for as long as I remember. I remember as a Dragons fan, you know, supporting, watching Ricky Walford score plenty of tries and my favourite player of all time, Anthony Mundine, you yeah. know, so there's, we've all, our heroes have, a lot of our heroes are Indigenous and the NRL, you know, the NRL does, we always hear about the wrong things that, that the NRL administrators do, yeah. but this is definitely one of the right things that they're doing. Uh, they definitely are leading the way. And, I mean, I'm happy to see more of it. I've always been a little bit um, envious of how well our Kiwi friends treat their, their, their Indigenous, yeah. the, Mount, the Mount Maoris. And, um, you know, there's a lot of respect there for the culture. And you can see that in everything that they do. I mean, half of their national anthem is in Maori. Yeah. Um, I'm not suggesting we have to go that far, but the respect needs to be there. And I'm certainly seeing a lot more respect for our Indigenous cultures recently amongst rugby league fans. fans. And um, that has a lot to do with the NRL's leadership uh, in that particular... Ooh, <laughs> in that particular regard. Yeah, and look, I would go so far to suggest that we should change the national anthem, and I'm happy to use it our own. Um, I don't think we could ever do it where half the language is in English and half is in another language because there are so many different yeah. Indigenous languages across Australia, yeah. unlike New Zealand where there is one dominant language. Um, but I would suggest that we change the national anthem. That's a, that's a different, that's a different um, chases. But it is something that I want to tie into the next question because we often talk about how many Indigenous Australians there are playing rugby league and why that's important. The flip side of that is there are so many um, non-Indigenous Australians uh, who don't have a glowing perspective on minorities or, or particularly Aboriginal Australians. And so it's also important to do this kind of stuff from the NRL to educate or show importance to a large part of the community that might not already show that kind of respect and importance to Aboriginal Australians. And that's going to link to my last question. Is 
is sport allowed to be this political or is it a responsibility of sport to be this political? Um, because we often hear when things come up about homosexuality or, or racism that has nothing to do with sport. And what, you know, can you just please play rugby league? Where, where do you fall on that spectrum? I think I'm in the minority because I always hear about how sport shouldn't get in into politics, right? But I, I kind of think sport is the perfect platform to deliver a message like that because really you have the attention of so many people. Sport is the perfect avenue to deliver strong messages like that and I have no issue with um, the NRL taking a political stance on subjects like this. Um, the conversation needs to happen. I think, I think the really interesting part is, you sort of mentioned that, you know, there are people, you know, white guys like us, if I can say, if I can, I don't, if there's, there might be a better way to say it, but I'll say it that way. There are people like us that don't understand the culture and don't understand it. The difference between us and our, our Kiwi brothers and sisters is because the, the, the Maori culture was sort of unaffected from the start and they respected it from early days, and they got to hold on to a lot of their values and culture. Whereas with us, it was a little bit different. Once, uh, we're gonna to get too political here, Big T, but, but I think a lot, of, a lot of our indigenous people, they're sort of learning about their cultures as well. We always hear about, when, when we have our All-Stars matches, you hear about some of the boys getting into camp for the first time and learning the language and learning about their people. So they're not as, they're not as, um, I guess understanding of their own culture yeah. as 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 our our Kiwi friends are, so they're learning as well. So I think it's okay for guys like us to be learning while they're learning, and and together we can sort of we can sort of make this something special, you know, something very special and very uniquely Australian as well. We always talk about how you know our nation changed that we have changed the anthem slightly. If you remember, yeah. we used to say we are young and free, and now we say we are one and free, and we always, I remember in primary school being brought up to and told that, you know, we're a very young nation. Our history is a couple of hundred years old. It's not true. We're actually one of the oldest. And we need to celebrate that and we need to change that conversation. <laughs> I probably um, waffled on a little bit about it, Big T, but it's, it's just something that I think the NRL ha needs to take, take the lead on, mate. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> we're in a very good position where racism is prevalent, particularly in AFC. AFL, and they have recently even had that whole Adam Goods issue where he was booed a lot just because he's Aboriginal. Yeah. And he was recently offered a Hall of Fame position in the AFL, in which he declined um, purely based on the fact that he feel, still felt like the way the AFL went about it um, was really poor. And so the, the NRL is on the complete opposite side of that, where often that, um, Indigenous Australians playing NRL talk about how that All-Stars Week's the best week of their careers yeah. and, and how... You mentioned before that there's so much learning and cultural understanding and, and openness to it that, that a lot of those players feel more connected than ever before during those periods of time. Indigenous round and all of, all of these things that the, that the NRL does and then stamping out any kind of racism that's heard through fans or, or social media and the support the trail's been given while he's trying to stand up to a whole bunch of things yeah. is a great spot. And so I agree with you in that the NRL is in a unique spot where they can cr continue to develop and create something that's uniquely Australian, uniquely different. Um, and, and, I, and I almost feel funny about calling it political because talking about gender equality or, or sexuality or racism don't feel like political issues. They feel like just normal human normal things human that issues, we yeah. should be better at. And exactly. 
sport, as you said, brings together so many different people from so many different perspectives. And so when we can get them all agreeing on some basic human principles, I think that makes the sport and the world a much better place. 100%, mate. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's golden, what we're saying, which is why we're also now going to move to <laughs> golden points. Uh, I haven't heard these ones, haven't read these ones yet, so I'm excited to see what's happening in the world of rugby league. I do know that I, I put to you a few of the chaser suggestions and you were like, oh, no, 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 we've already got these covered in golden points, so I'm glad to see that that's still going well. We're going to cross to him, the outsider, now. Hello and welcome by Golden Punkten with me, Mike Michael Wood, the NRL Breitenstander. How might this head on in the Netherlands to begin and... That's Dutch for how good is it to start in Dutch because it is off to the Netherlands that we go this week. As a former Amsterdam Cobra, it gives me nothing but pleasure to tell you that the Dutch Rugby League started this week again after two years without a competition. I played in the last competition. That's how long ago it was. The old favourites of Rotterdam Pitbulls, Den Haag Dykes, Harder Right Dolphins and my own beloved Amsterdam Cobras were out in force. Joined by new boys and one girl, hello Stephanie Van Diepen, Zwolle Wolves and Dordrecht Griffins, who hosted the tournament. The Dolphins sit top of the ladder after one round with further nine tournaments scheduled for the coming weeks. From the Netherlands, we go to the Highlands, where Aberdeen Warriors made a triumphant return to Rugby League with a crushing victory over Fourth Valley Vikings in the Scottish Cup. They will now march on the capital, where Edinburgh Eagles await in the next round. Speaking of capital cities, Oslo Capitals had their first hit out after COVID with a crushing victory over Lillestrøm Lions in the Norwegian Rugby League. And if you believe this, you'll believe anything. It was played in 31 degree heat in Norway. Now, I've not seen a Viking that hot since the days of Andy Courier. That's a little Balmain Tigers joke there for Big T. And yes, don't tweet me. I know that witness will call the chemics back then, but you try writing these jokes. In Ireland, they played the second round of their championship. Dublin Exiles overcame Athboy Fighting Irish. Galway Tribesmen defeated the reigning champions Longholes Rugby League by 30 points to 18. And in Banbridge Town, in the county down one morning this July, Dublin City Exiles Reserve beat the local Banbridge Broncos. Okay, they probably didn't play in the morning, but I have to get an Irish music gag in this somewhere. And Banbridge Town in the county down is exactly where it's going to go. Our final stop is to Canada, where the Canadian Cooperative Championship was announced with Toronto. That's the Wolfpack, not the one in the Hunter Valley. And Hamilton, that's the one in Ontario, not the one currently playing at the Lyric Theatre in Sydney, joining Montreal, about whom I don't have a joke, in the Eastern Conference. There you go for another week's golden points. And all that's left for me to say is thank you all for listening. Vogue my up Twitter at Mike Mehal Wood and Todd Zanes. Until next time, doey. And we're back. Outsider, well done, mate. Love hearing his, his little insights. I do know that uh, one of the golden points, I know we haven't heard them yet, Big T, but the listeners will have just done that now through the magic of radio. podcasting and radio. <laughs> but, um, you know, Netherlands Rugby League kicking off again with a Nines tournament or um, the first round of a Nines tournament. And uh, the NRL outsider, of course, the former halfback for the Amsterdam Cobras. So he was able to give us some extra little bit of insight into uh, how round one went. So really happy with that. Of course, if you want more golden points, then you can always check us out at uh, chasingroos.com. Not only is it the place uh, for any of your International Rugby League merchandise, it's also the place for plenty of news as well. So check that out. Golden Points is a regular article that we do write and pop, pop up there, uh, chasingroos.com. 
one of the number one reasons I go on Instagram is just to see what you guys have been up to. It's a fantastic space. Well, we're almost at the end of our work, walk carbs, which also means we're almost at the end of this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you want to say to them as you stroll past this beautiful Sydney side? Mate, all good. I'm on my way to a party at Paul Vaughan's house. <laughs> so you got a spare grand in your pocket? <laughs> we'll see you. Uh, we'll have, like I said, Mercho is on holidays for a couple of weeks, but we do have some great episodes of Chasing Kangaroos coming up. You had some great conversations with Justin Tucker from Carolina Lightning with yeah. a great announcement, which I can't wait to release that one. Uh, you've had a great conversation with Elsie Albert as well, captain of the PNG Orchids. And I had a great conversation uh, about Scottish Rugby League, which is coming up soon as well. So we'll release those over the next few weeks. And, uh, mate, maybe we should go for another walk for Chasers 5 next well, time. We're almost at the end. We've got to turn around. So <laughs> Thanks for that. And we'll keep, you guys should keep chasing. Nice That's an ending. unusual way to... Uh, I'll work on that chasing bit. I think that could work into something else eventually. You guys keep chasing. Chasers is a podcast by Chasing Kangaroos Media. The show is sponsored by Minus Coffee. We are mixed and recorded by Paul Murchison. Our theme music is written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. We are hosted by me, The Biggest Tiger, and Michael Carboni. Views are our own.